as entrepreneurs, on occasion, even as we're trying to accelerate our growth, we get stuck. And I'll tell you, that's a bad feeling. And it's not only for you, but for your whole team, everyone around you, you're not able to really accelerate and make that impact, that dent in the universe. Well, our next guest, <laughs> he's made a huge dent. He has continually reinvented himself and he's got unstuck many times. And he's here to share with us how we can do it. Stay tuned. You'll be glad you did. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard. Watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Patrick Katembo, I really appreciate you being here today. Well, I'm really thrilled to be here, John. I, I, uh, I listened to your podcast and I'm honored to be one of the guests. No, thank you. You know, let me set the stage a little bit more because you've done so much. You know, as we were just talking before we turned on the camera, we thought I was thinking of it as Act One, Act Two, Act Three. And when I looked at this, I'm going, you know, you start out as a chiropractor, you had a very successful practice, then, you know, that's kind of Act One. But then, you know, you wanted to even make that bigger done diagnostic business, you know, eight figures. I mean, really, you know, making a huge impact, sold that, you know, went turnkey, uh, full cycle as an entrepreneur. And, and now you're helping other entrepreneurs, you're building more businesses, and you've got this holding company. I mean, it's wow. And, you know, what really, you know, I'm excited about is, you know, you've been able to do so many things in a relatively short period of time. And so many of us as entrepreneurs get stuck. So let me, let me go first. Did you just start out being able to do all these things when you were a kid? I mean, a little background here first, Patrick. Uh, well, I, you know, I guess I, I think I was always entrepreneurial as a kid. Um, I had always had a, a keen interest in just having ideas and doing them. Probably my first business uh, was in seventh grade. Uh, where I would show up in seventh grade class, at, even though I advise kids not to eat candy now, but I'd show up with pieces of candy that other kids would want to pay me for. And I realized, hmm, if I ride my bike to the store and buy big, you know, uh, big chunks of it in inventory, you know, I wasn't thinking in terms of inventory, but <laughs> would, would bring it to school, I could sell it off piecemeal, and I was making, you know, you know, three, four, five bucks every day. And next thing you know, I, you know, I said, wow, this is fun, and I like it. And, uh, and I was providing a service that my classmates appreciated me for. So, uh, you know, I, I always been working since then and typically for myself, uh, trying to find a way to do things. Uh, as a uh, high school athlete, uh, I'll brag, I was a two-time national AU karate champion uh, in my teens and, and uh, you know, was involved in athletics. Uh, I, my senior year, I wrestled and I injured my neck really bad and I had a pretty miraculous experience at the chiropractor's office and decided this is what I wanted to do with my life. So I went to uh, chiropractic school, I got out of school and I launched into practice, but while in practice, uh, I recognized that there were some aspects of the assessment part of what I was doing that weren't adding up completely for me. I felt like I was sometimes selling a product I wasn't sure I was delivering. So uh, I uh, had met with a colleague that uh, was really into research and technology and he brought this technology you know, in an infant stage into my office and we looked at it, started playing with it, developed applications and protocols. And the next thing you know, I was hiring uh, programmers and, and developers and, and you know, engineers to create a device. Uh, we ended up getting some patents on that and it grew into a, a fairly substantial business that over 
uh, 20 years as its CEO, 22 years, I grew it from, you know, a startup into a you know, fairly substantial entity that had 9,000 uh, clients on six continents. Uh, and about two years ago, uh, I had to make a decision. Either I was going to have to do, you know, the next makeover of that business and take it into its future, or it was time for act three of my career. And uh, I decided that uh, I wanted to, there are other things I wanted to do in the world. Uh, it was also scary, and I think entrepreneurs will relate to this in the sense that I, I never realized how much of my personal identity was wrapped up in my business. You know, I lived it, I've flown over, flown over three million miles you know, out there speaking and promoting and giving the vision out there of what we were doing in the world. And um, you know, that's what I was known for, that's what I knew myself for. So it was a really interesting thought experiment to go through the process of what would life be like if I no longer owned that business, if I no longer was its CEO? Could I let go of all that and then move into the next phase? And, and probably the biggest lesson I learned as a human being and an entrepreneur over the past years is that to move to the next level of your life uh, as an entrepreneur or whatever you do, it's more about what you're willing to let go of than it is about what you need to do. So the, the let go for me was a big let go. It was a, a, a psychologically really interesting time for me. But once I made the decision, you know, and, and then if anybody's ever sold a business, oh my God, what a process that is. But we went through that entire process, you know, and the lawyers and all the other stuff and all the details and the last minute things that blow up and, you know, your hair's on fire if you have any. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, but finally you get to that day, the deal closes, it's done, and now you're on to the next thing. So. I decided that uh, that I wanted to you know modify the way that I work. I, I have children that are you know still young children that I wanted to be around more. Uh, my spouse is is pretty brilliant, and uh, there's a lot that she could contribute. And, and basically, uh, our strengths match up pretty well. Meaning that areas where I don't have strengths, she does, and sort of vice versa. And I wanted to have her more involved in what we we're doing to increase our relationship. I could, you know we, we refer to it as con fusion, con hyphen fusion. Let's let's with fusion bring things together. So my relationship, you know, my personal life, my health and fitness, my business activities. How can I put these things together so that I can leverage up and and. Uh, from that, we created our holding company, and that's been out there a couple of years, still in its young stages. But we, we've got about eight holdings, I think, right now, and we're ambitious about uh, doing some more things out there in the world. Well, no. So let, let's let's kind of break these apart, Patrick, because you got a lot of things going on. And uh, let, let's take, you know, I'm thinking the candy bar, the first thing. I mean, one of the things most entrepreneurs, they're opportunistic at an early age. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I can certainly relate to that. And I think everyone uh, listening or viewing us today can uh, do that as well. But as you go, I, you know, one of the things that I love about being an entrepreneur is the market's really good about telling you what's working. And I want to go back to your chiropractor, uh, you know, your practice that you had as a chiropractor and then, um, you know, all of a sudden seeing that diagnostic equipment coming in or the process and so on, and you saw a business opportunity. Tell me a little bit about, you know, when that first hit you, that first day and, you know, why you saw that. Because, I mean, to build the kind of business that you built out of that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get a lot of opportunities. And the more success we have, we have more opportunities coming in and learning which ones to, you know, try, you know, run with and which ones to say no is one of the toughest things. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and you're, you're asking. This is a you're asking what I consider to be a paradoxical question in this way. Um, and, and actually, I just gave a, a lecture this past weekend to a group of really high-performing entrepreneurs called the the Adaptive Paradox. 
one context is we adapt ourselves to the world around us, right? Uh, as Mayor Stephen Hawking said, intelligence is the ability to adapt yourself to the environment around you. So in one sense, we're saying, hey, what does the market want? And let me fill that need. And maybe if I can do that in somewhat of a creative way, I can really succeed. Um, but then you have the George Bernard Shaw quote, which is, you know, the reasonable man adapts himself to the environment around him. This might be a little bit of a paraphrase. The unreasonable man adapts the world around him to himself. All progress is a result of unreasonable men. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of paradoxical, but both are sort of necessary. In other words, what, what, what entrepreneurs understand, I think very clearly, is that uh, to go out into a marketplace and try to create uh, something new, to a degree, you have to adapt that marketplace to your will and your creativity and your desire and your mission and your purpose. But at the same time, you also have to have some market pull. There's got to be some gravity there because if there's not, you can end up in a, in a pretty compromised, ongoing, tough situation, which I have over and over and over again. I know the pain of that being what might be the, the bleeding edge versus the leading edge, if you will. So you, you, it's trying to. You know, I was having this conversation with with a, a friend of mine recently where. You know, we talked about perseverance is a virtue to a point, but then it becomes a vice. Or my quote on this is, the great thing about entrepreneurs is that they fall in love with their ideas. The problem with entrepreneurs is that they fall in love with their ideas. So it's, it's a matter of knowing where that, where that line is drawn. So with that, you know, in, in my case, you're exactly right. I saw a need. What was my need? I'm giving patients a schedule of how many times per week or per month they need to come in and see me. It's based on, on, the, on a premise. The premise is that by giving you adjustments, we can, uh, we can release the adverse effects of stress on your nervous system and general health. And that uh, by doing this in a sequence or over in a series, a time series over time, that we can you know, uh, really uh, expand your health and well-being. And it's been demonstrated. We got results. We get good outcomes. But the question is, how do I really know how much you as an individual needs? How do I really know what the adverse stress was, uh, how it's affecting your nervous system in your life? And I realize the exams that we're taught and the technology of the day doesn't really quantify that. So the premise from which we're operating could not be actualized through the procedure, and this could apply to any business, the premise from which you're operating doesn't really quantify through the procedure of what you do. So I'm selling this product. I'm not sure I'm delivering. I have a feel for it. There's a lot of art in there. But I really want better quantification so I can custom tailor care in a more specified way. So that not that great? So now this technology does it, and I'm measuring, I'm looking, I'm getting outcomes. Isn't that great? However, the marketplace has no freaking clue about it. They don't understand the technology. It's never been taught in school. They have no context for it, et cetera. So suddenly, yes, there's a need, but the marketplace doesn't understand the need that they have. I have to go out there and teach them the need, which means I've got to go to the colleges and get it into the curriculum. I've got to get research papers published. I've got to do all kinds of things to say, I've got this phenomenal thing that can transform the face of the profession in healthcare, yet the market doesn't get it. And do I have the guts or the gonads to fight through that to get to a point where I have a business. And you know, it's interesting, like any entrepreneur, years and years and years of headache and heartache, and then suddenly you're an overnight success. And, and that, that's pretty much the story of that business. No, and and it's, I think it's most entrepreneurs. I mean, it's, it is, it's almost funny if it wasn't so painful, if we don't remember the moments along the way. I mean, I live in Silicon Valley and you know, you're taught, you know, fail quick, but you know, really, you don't wanna fail quick unless it's a, ter a totally failure. You know, you got to figure out you're taking the market, you're pivoting and, you know, the difference between wants and needs. I mean, 
you know, so often what people need, they don't want. <laughs> and so right. you got to help them and you got to package it so that they, they can get what they want, but they actually receive what they need. So they get the results. And, you know, this is a, a challenge. And, you know, and, and then you I want to go a little bit further on this. And so the, you know, you built the business, you've got it going. I've had the opportunity to be involved in about 40 deals. Uh, I can still remember in 1998, I sold with my two partners. We had a $2 billion asset management firm that we sold and we got offered, you know, a, a, I actually wanted to stay. My other two partners wanted to sell and I was CEO. I had the largest share, but not control. And we got offered a lot of money. It was reasonable to sell it at that time. Well, boy, um, I really, you know, I'm a financial guy and I had never personally done a deal. I've been an advisor and so on. I didn't realize all the emotion going on. Forget about all the attorneys, all the dynamics. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough time uh, to go through. And then when the deal's done, you know, all those employees I had, I looked around. Uh, I mean, my, my wife got tired of going out to lunch with me. I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> the whole dynamic. So, Patrick, how, how kind of walk us through those, you know, that period of you made the decision, maybe did the term sheet. Yeah, because so many entrepreneurs really, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who dream about building their business, selling it, and then going on to the, you know, writing their next uh, chapter in their life. You know, give us some of the dynamics that you went through here. So the, 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 psych, the psychological aspects of this psychodynamics are pretty um, significant. And uh, I think ultimately, uh, entrepreneurs are fueled. What is the rocket fuel that they, that they possess that drives them? Uh, I, I think that that's vision. I think that they have a vision for something. So the so the rocket fuel that pushes them forward is this vision. Uh, you know, and the vision is literally what their purpose is. What what I define vision as what your purpose looks like. You know, what do you see in a future that you're that you're working toward, trying to create? That's vision. So um, you know, so what is it that would get you through the psychological uh, dynamics of of being able to sell a business that you put your heart and soul into, et cetera, that's still you know providing your revenue and your cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, some people would say, you know, I'm tired. I want to cash out, uh, and I think that that you know that's a thoroughly reasonable thing to do. Uh, but I think in a lot of cases, uh, and in my case, uh, it's a matter of saying, I, I if I didn't have a vision for an Act Three, if I didn't have a vision for what I would do next, it would have been probably impossible for me. To stop what I was doing now, I have a friend uh, right now who's got a very sizable company uh, worth uh, a lot of money, you know, uh, a real lot of money. And uh, but it's his passion; it is everything. He's put his whole life into it. Uh, and, and we were having long talks because he's he's gotten offers and he's considering selling it. And I'm talking, you know, it's it's legacy type money he'd be getting. But it, the money doesn't matter, you know. He's already got all the money he needs, you know, and and he could see the leg. But it's like, but what would I do? So when we we started having, you know, uh, literally an hour and a half, two hour in depth conversation, talking through this and getting back, what's your purpose? What do you want to do in the world? And if your purpose is bigger than what you want to do right now, having that fu money basically, and having, uh, you know, the freedom of not having to own that business anymore. Now let's do a thought experiment. What could you do? So let's talk about what the real vision is. What impact do you want to have on the world? And with that money and that freedom, could you do it better than you're doing it now? And he drew the conclusion and we found a way that that would occur that yes, I see it 
And now he's excited and he's aggressively, you know, working with the investment bankers, everybody else to pursue this where he wasn't sure if, if he could do it before. As a matter of fact, six months ago, the thought of selling his business would have been kind of like a joke. It would have been an out loud laugh. This is my life. I wouldn't do anything else. I love this. So I think that that's the psychodynamics. I think to get through it, you have to have a vision for what's next. Now, that vision you know, doesn't mean, oh, you have to be working just as hard. You got to grow something bigger. The vision might be time with your kids. The vision might be getting yourself back in shape because you've abused yourself for the last 20 years working so hard and you want to re reclaim your health. The vision might be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, with your spouse. So, you know, the vision doesn't have to be just a business vision. It's just a vision of a life beyond this that serves your values. And the, the one other point I'll make, you say, how do we decide opportunity? Is this a good opportunity, bad opportunity? My premise is, um, never take opportunity over values. It's you, you start with what are your values, and I think you, you've had Rick Sapio on here, and that's a drum that he beats. And, and, and you know, Rick is the guy for values based decision making, he, he does the best job in yeah, delivering that message. Definitely go. Rick does a, a phenomenal pre, uh, podcast with us on values, and he uh, you can go ahead on aesnation.com and you'll. Uh, just uh, type in Rick. I think I haven't interviewed any yeah. other Ricks. <laughs> and, so for more on that, you can listen to that. Yeah, one. but yeah. yeah, let's go to that because I think that, you know, this is kind of that part of getting unstuck too is that we get, you know, we're working so hard in our business. We don't think there's anything else out there. You know, we've abused our body. Unfortunately, too many of us as entrepreneurs, we've abused our families, our friends, our relationships, but we got this really successful business and yeah, we've right. gotten out of alignment. So, you know, pick it up from there. So I, I think, you know, what's important is, uh, and we talked about earlier, I think in the opening about why entrepreneurs get stuck or what's the key to entrepreneurial growth. What, you know, there's blockages and there's keys to growth. And, you know, if, if you're looking for, like, if you've been stuck, entrepreneurs get into a state of what I call maximum tension. And, uh, and here's what maximum tension is in short. You have varying um, dimensions of your life. You have you separate from the rest of the world, meaning, you know, your personal life, your, your health, your fitness, all those things that are just you that don't involve other people. Then you have your relationship life, you know, your, your, your spouse, your kids, your family, anything around your friends. Then you have your career. Then you have your spiritual life. Then you, you, you have your financial life. And there are other dimensions that you could, you know, we could come up with here too. But let's just take those core five or just even a couple of those. Let's say that what's driving you in your personal life is driving you west. <laughs> and, you know, just because, you, you know, there's a, you can't see my full arm if I reach out, but it's pulling you in that direction. And let's say what's driving you in your career is pulling you in this direction. What will happen is you'll keep driving in both directions, you know, and, and you're, you're moving, you're moving, and this is moving, and that is moving, and they're both going, but they keep going, 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 until you get to a point of what we call maximum tension, where you are now have opposing forces driving in these opposing directions as far as they can go, and at this point, there's no space for you to do anything new. To get any further, you are stuck, and that's the level to which you can grow. So you have contradictions or conflicts in the driving forces of your life. So imagine now, and again, this is just two-dimensional. Imagine it in four, five, or six, or seven dimensions. Spiritual is pulling you this way. Financial is pulling you this way. You know, you're all over the place, and you get to this point where you're hanging in the middle by all these ropes that are at maximum tension. So where breakthrough comes is when you can first ask the question, 
what drives me in my personal life? What drives me in my career? And these are the values. What, are, what drives me in my spiritual life? What drives me in my financial life, etc.? And if you can become conscious of them, where when you're like this, if you could start to align these forces or these driving forces in a common direction, and now you put energy into that system, boom, that's where you take off. That's where you, that's where you have breakthrough. So, so people get stuck when they've reached the extent of what their contradictory driving forces will allow, and they break through when they align them. Now, what some people try to do to their detriment is they're at maximum tension, but they're so committed to making this business work that they will force something into a system at maximum tension and it breaks apart. And that's where you have divorces, that's where you have heart attacks, that's where you have all these other kinds of breakdowns that you will force that business to grow, but at a grave expense because you're trying to force a, a, a maximum tension event you know, that, that forces the system to break apart. And the one other thing I'll say is I, I travel quite a bit, I speak, and, and, I, and when I present, I'll open up you know, the whole talk by saying that you know, there's a difference between having a jacuzzi experience, meaning this will feel good, versus having a, a, a transformational experience where you leave this room different than you walked in and your life is never the same again, what I call a pivotal experience. What's the difference? You see, everybody says, well, we'll see how good your information is. Maybe you'll teach me something new. But I, I ask, how many people here know something that you could be doing that you're currently not doing that would make your life or business better? Everybody raises their hand. So why aren't you doing it? Or why'd you come here to learn more about what you're not going to do? So the, the key is why don't you do it? Because if you have the desire to get better, to improve your life or your business, yet you're not doing things you already know that would make your business better, why? And the answer is because you're stuck in maximum tension. There's no space in your life to introduce anything new. The consequence of which is you don't, you don't act on what you know. So now it's a matter of you know, getting deep into your philosophy, deep into your premises, aligning these things up, and then you can do the things you know that will take you to the next level. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't agree more, Patrick. One of the things that I see over and over again that entrepreneurs can do, and you've really said it this way, and let me just play it back, is you know, it's getting clarity of purpose. You know, it's that vision, you know, you know, kind of what do I want to do when I grow up? And we're all growing up. I mean, we're, you know, none of us have arrived yet. And, you know, what, what do I want to achieve and and independent almost like you know zero base uh planning you know you're doing your next year's financials where you say okay everything's got to justify itself i want you to do that when you're doing this clarity of purpose because once you do that you can look and say okay you know with all those uh tensions that you're talking about uh, you know how, how do i get them aligned so i can make whatever clarity of purpose that vision a reality and sometimes it is the business that you have. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there needs to be, well, almost always there needs to be changes along the way. But I don't think, most of us don't take the time to do that to be, you know, what I refer to as successful on purpose. We're kind of, we're just so hard charging along the way. And I mean, one of the things that, you know, you've really uh, spent a lot of time on philosophy. I mean, I, I see some of the uh, comments on you, of, you know, kind of a, there's lifestyle entrepreneurs, there's driven entrepreneurs, you're a philosophy entrepreneur, Patrick, which is great because I don't think we take that time to think through these things. And when we do, you know, it's something remarkable. We can have a great life and everybody around us can have a great life and we can contribute a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, this, this is, uh, and, and I, I, uh, I'm borrowing this from, I think it was Harry Binswanger or somebody who gave a YPO lecture and the title of it was, 
philosophy, and it might be a paraphrase, but philosophy is the true CEO of your business. This is what most people don't understand. The foundation, when, when, when you say the word philosophy, and I just did a TEDx talk on this, when you say the word philosophy, what conjures up in most people's mind is, you know, old guys with robes walking around in antiquity, or, or maybe it's friends getting together on a weekend, you know, with the suede patches on their sleeves, you know, drinking cappuccino, saying, oh, you know, talking about abstract things. But the, but the feeling is a Monday, whatever they talked about has no practical application into your business that you're driving every single day. The opposite is true. Here's my premise. Philosophy is the most practical thing a human being can hope to embrace, or maybe in this context, philosophy is the most practical thing an entrepreneur can hope to embrace. Whether you know it or not, you have a philosophy. Every human being does. Whether you know it or not, your business has a philosophy. Every business does. The base premise that, that justifies or substantiates why this is so important is because when you have contradictions in your basic philosophical premises, the only possible result is destruction. The amount of destruction is relative to the level of the contradiction. We don't take the time to think in terms of applied philosophy, the practical use of philosophy, because mm -hmm. it is at the foundation of everything. We're normally starting up here and starting to think forward, but if you get down to that root level, that's where you can look at your premises, your values, which comes from the third branch of philosophy. So I, I created this program called the Philosophy Formula based on that, which, you know, which is the elements. You know, what do you believe, meaning what are your premises? Uh, that's the metaphysical view, the first branch of philosophy. The second branch of philosophy is epistemology, your theory of knowledge. What are your, what is, you know, your, your standards of proof? So if, if the first branch of philosophy asks, where am I or what are your premises, what's your view of reality? The second one is, how do I know it? So what do you believe? How do you know it? And then the third branch is now, so what do I do, which is ethics. Ethics provides a human being with a code of values and therefore will be a guide to your actions. So basically, when we talk about values-based decision-making, we talk about purpose. Purpose emerges out of ethics. Purpose isn't where it starts. It starts with philosophy. Your philosophy leads you to your purpose, which leads you to your values, and your values then dictate all actions that should be congruent. If this stuff is not well-defined, if you have contradictory values, contradictory purposes, you don't have your premises well thought out, then you're handicapped in trying to make your business, or your life for that matter, work. So by injecting or, or, or putting philosophy into the equation as the foundation or the platform from which you build, that's where strong businesses that will be legacy type businesses come from that have less stress, more more purpose, more impact, more profitable and all those other good things we look for as entrepreneurs. Yeah, this is it's so good because so what happens so often to us is, you know, we we get out of alignment. I mean, we, we, we really don't take the time to do go through this, you know, and examine our own philosophy of life. And and I'll tell you, I have so many successful friends who uh, you know, kind of there's a big dichotomy. You know, one group who, you know, looks hugely successful, but they have miserable lives. And then I have this other group who are hugely successful, but they have phenomenal life. I want everybody, I want you to be in the right category. And this is a big part of, you know, an unexamined life. Uh, it's just, you know, it's fraught with risk and, you know, and, and, and particularly entrepreneurs, we, we're under, it, it can happen so often because we're so hard charging. We've got demands on our time from every direction, all these different relationships and, you know, tension, as Patrick said, and boy, this is big. Now, I want to go to, I'm going to go into a segment. The segment is the, the book of the day. And 
Patrick, I mean, you had a book you want to recommend that shows a little bit of this creative tension going on that a few of our entrepreneurs are familiar with. Yeah, well, I was going to say uh, it's it's probably uh, almost trite because I think most entrepreneurs probably know and have read this book. But you know, when somebody says, "What's the most important book I've read?" or you know, "What book do I highly recommend?" it is Atlas Shrugged, and uh, you know, Rand uh, perfectly portrays the the role of philosophy in life, in business, in existence uh, through in the novel. So she created a new genre of of nonfiction called uh, I'm sorry, fiction called philosophy fiction. And, uh, and, you know, the book, which I've read probably 10 times, no exaggeration, every couple of years I pick it up and read it again, um, is, uh, is a, I think, a, a full expression and then some of, you know, the point I'm trying to make relative to the importance of, of philosophy and non-contradiction in the entrepreneurial life. No, I mean, it is. It, it's one of those, I mean, when, you know, the world, the way it's changed, I don't want to get too political. I mean, we'll stay with philosophy here. But it's a good reread to just kind of say standard, centered in, you know, recognizing that we're going to have to work through challenges in life uh, for the rest of our lives. Let's go to the next uh, segment, which is the application of the day. And uh, Patrick, you know, you're, you're out there doing a lot of things. I mean, what's the uh, application you'd recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs? The first one that comes to mind, again, kind of mundane maybe, but it, it's the, it's the, uh, I, the podcast app. Um, you know, what, what entrepreneurs need more than anything else, they, they need stimulation, they need ideas, they need sparks you know, on a, on a routine basis to keep their brains right because you can get dragged into the weeds pretty quickly with, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff that flies at you which we all have, you know, so people say, oh God, it must be great having your life. When I was running, you know, my business, and people say, oh, it must be so much more fun to do what you're doing. But, you know, I, I would look and I'd say, listen, let me, let me tell you a little bit about my life. Every morning I show up in my office, I sit down and my, my assistant who's got an office next to me, uh, my executive assistant walks in and he hands me a bowl and pretty much it's a bowl of shit. And the only yeah. question is how much shit do I have to eat today? And every once in a while I get a bowl of cherries. But we all have to eat that bowl of stuff, right, every single day. So in order to not succumb to that as a disposition in life, you need sparks. You need something to ignite you and, uh, and, and keep your brain right. So I, I believe, you know, podcasts like this and other podcasts are out there. I can get anything at my fingertips right there. Boom, I have it, uh, and I like it. And another one for its wider abstraction, not just its utility, which I personally love, but also the wider abstraction of what's meant in the world is Uber. I think... Uber is a uh, is a world changing app, uh, you know, and it's in its wider abstractions as to what it represents. Yeah, no, I I, I think I, I just echo both of those podcasts have been just phenomenal. Uh, I ignored them for an awful long time. So if you're you're watching this, you come to one of the videos, you know, go to iTunes or Stitcher, or sign up, subscribe to AESNation.com, but also look to see others. I mean, I, I find some of the best innovation, some of the introductions I get to individuals I'm listening, and then I just reach out and call them or get an introduction from somebody. And I mean, I've had some unbelievable, <laughs> remarkable strategic alliances come out of this and you know for they're free i mean it's you know and then uh, uber you know you and i were talking about before we turned on the camera you know as we travel i mean I, I i we both love not only the uber but the concept of uber that you know everything is going to be easily available over time the disruptive part of the technology creating entrepreneurs i mean it's been uh you know just really amazing well, let's yeah go. Oh, good 
Well, let's go to the next one, uh, Patrick. I, I want to go to resources. And you have uh, some resources you're going to make available. Why don't I start out with, um, let's go to, uh, you, you've got your uh, main website. At, and, and again, all the links are going to be at aesnation.com. So just go see the show notes. It'll be transcribed. But patrickjitempo.com. Uh, and they can sign up for what there. And then we'll go to your next website too. So at patrickgentempo.com, um, there's an opt-in there to just get on my list. And I'm always sending things out to the list. And I don't, um, how can I put it? I don't ever send out things. I, I don't just send out like on a schedule. I got to do something every two. If I don't have something that I think is valuable to send, I don't bother sending it. So for people who just want to be aware of maybe where I'm speaking or I come across things or I have thoughts and ideas, you know, at that point, I send it out to the list. Um, and uh, so that's the first one. So that, that, that's what that opt-in is. And you can kind of get a sense of just my general, the multi-dimensions of my life. I think there's things there about my family and things are there about, you know, the very dimensions of my life, not just my career. Okay, excellent. And then let's go to uh, patrickonfire.com. And I've got that. And uh, you, you've got a opt-in for access to a 45-minute talk that you delivered. What are they going to get in that video? So that you know that if 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 what I'm talking about here is something that you want to take you know further and deeper uh, and and also some other things, uh, that was a live presentation. It's a video that uh, I gave to a uh, a group out in Omaha, Nebraska, the group of you know highly successful entrepreneurs um, that I was I came into keynote a um, uh, you know this event uh, that a public company was putting on, and they wanted me to talk you know about the philosophy of money and about uh, the philosophy of being an entrepreneur. So. Uh, I went in, it's a 45-minute live presentation, uh, and I, I think it's, you know, the feedback I got after the talk, I was, I was pretty uh, mugged, <laughs> you know, the, the, the stage rush came after as far as people saying, wow, this was something I needed to hear, something I've never heard before, et cetera. And I think, it, it, you know, it is, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're working with entrepreneurs and you're coming at it from the, from the way that I do, uh, from the philosophical foundations into values, into alignment, and all those things, I think it is important, and especially when we get into the philosophy of money, that, that there's some very deep and rich information there, that because there's contradictions people have with money, uh, and as they attain uh, wealth and achievement, it's there's if that if those contradictions aren't resolved, they can you'll be sabotaged. Um, so uh, so anyway, so if you opt in there, you'll 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 have instant access to that 45 minute video, which I think people really. Uh, in the audience, entrepreneurs got a ton of value. Yeah, great. And I look forward to looking at it as well. And let me go over what I got from this presentation, the key takeaways that I'd like everyone to be thinking about. And, and you know, we're all about results here at AES Nation. So, you know, let's put these into action. And th this is a really good time to do it. You know, just listen to Patrick, who very articulate on, you know, talking about philosophy and entrepreneurship. You don't hear that too often. And so it's really a shame because, you know, everyone, we all want to be successful on purpose. I mean, we, and the very first step is getting clarity, uh, uh, clarifying, you know, your purpose in life. What do you want to be? And I'm going to really go back to that zero-based planning. You know, you might have an unbelievable successful business. Maybe you have multiple businesses. Whatever you have, Let's pretend you don't have those now. They're sold. What would you want to do so that you could achieve all that's important to you? So that's number one. Number two is once you have that, 
you know, vision, how do you then realign what you're doing? I mean, uh, uh, Patrick calls it uh, maximum tension, which is probably better. I, I call it creative tension, and and it's it's more maximum tension than creative tension. <laughs> and, and, but you know, taking those and say, okay, what do I need to do to realign? It may be selling your business. It may be uh, you know starting a new business. It may be refining. I mean, you might be on the right path, and you've really built a great opportunity. But whatever it is, do that, and then put in place so that you're going to be you know, checking in, and, and I'm going to recommend quarterly that what you're doing is aligned with your values on all sides. And you're going to make a huge difference. Your clients, your future clients, your teammates, your family, all your friends, they're counting on you to do this. Don't let them down. We wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com